You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition. Now, Federal has come out with a new turkey load called the Heavyweight TSS or the Heavyweight Tungsten Super Shot. Now, this is a tungsten alloy material and it's 18 grams per cubic centimeter density now what this means is it is it's 22 percent higher than standard tungsten and 56 percent higher than lead so it is a a very dense material and it has the ability to travel at high velocities and continue that velocity at longer distances it has deadly patterning and it also has something called flight control flex and that is when that rear braking wad performs flawlessly through ported and standard turkey chokes so if you want to find out more information about the heavyweight tungsten super shot visit federalpremium.com and while you're there don't forget to check out their podcast and their blogs tons of great content Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Coffee and Deer Show. Glad you could join us here. I'm here with my man, Torin Miller, also of the National Deer Alliance. Good morning, Torin. How are you? Good morning. We're doing well. Uh, we're talking a little bit, sort of stuck inside today with some serious rain. Uh, we're just dealing with that back and forth weather this time of year, but um, it's supposed to look better this weekend, which is good because I have some hunting plans. Yeah, well, that's true, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Uh, turkey season is opening in this part of the world. Uh, many states have already been in turkey season, season, and I've been jealous looking at everybody's pictures. So, yeah, we're going to get our crack here real soon. Yep, I'm excited. Yeah. So, again, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And I want to mention, because we haven't mentioned this recently, and that is that you have two options of seeing and hearing the show here. So you, if you're getting our newsletter and I'm certain that all of you are NDA members and subscribers. Um, but, if, but if you might not be, so if you're not seeing this in the newsletter, because you can actually watch the show if you want to see us, which I don't know that I recommend that, but it is an option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our studio is way better than the personalities, so it's at least worth watching once for that. But um, we're also uh, in podcast form on Sportsman's Nation. So check out sportsmansnation.com. Our good friend Dan Johnson takes the audio from this, turns it into a podcast, and that's just a great service he's been providing for us. And also, you know, I guess people are listening less to podcasts now because they're not commuting mm -hmm. to work as much or whatnot. But I know I still listen to them in various places from running to in the shower and all this, that type of thing. So if you listen to this, uh, a, 
I guess what I'm saying is subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, the Coffee and Deer Show, National Deer Alliance. If you have any trouble finding that, reach out and we'll help you find it. Uh, today's sponsor is the Archery Trade Association. And so ATA has been a supporter of the National Deer Alliance since we got started. As a matter of fact, our original chairman of the National Deer Alliance Board of Directors was Jay Mackinich. And at the time, he was also the CEO at the Archery Trade Association. And um, whenever Jay retired and Matt Kornman took over th that role, they stuck with us. And then Dan Forster, uh, who also is with Archery Trade Association, is on our board of directors and very active with us. So we've got a really strong tie to the ATA. And uh, related to that, if you if you got our last newsletter, you would see a story in there that I wrote where the where ATA put out this really cool kids coloring book. It's kind of a, it's an education slash entertainment uh, tool, which is great for this time, whenever you're you're locked up with your kids, so mm -hmm. to speak. And my three year old just loves the alphabet and he loves the color, and there's just a lot of really cool things with that. So I, I thought, you know, this. It was such a big deal to me that I took the time for the for the NDA president's blog to write about it. So if you get a chance, check out that short story. And uh, Torin, I don't know if your little guy's coloring quite yet, but but he probably will be soon. <laughs> yeah, not quite yet, but he is getting to the point where he's not quite crawling yet, but he can scooch. So when you set him down, he doesn't stay where you put him. So we're we're quickly learning uh, that we have to keep an eye on him at all times. Yep. Yeah, see, everybody thinks it's really hard at the very beginning, but the reality is you can plop them in a spot and yeah. they're going to be there when you get back. And when they start getting mobile, you know, it's like setting an egg on the counter. You know, it's a bad idea, mm -hmm. but you're still tempted to do it. So, yeah, we're learning that pretty quickly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So at any rate, you better download and print out that coloring book because he's going to want to want to see that here. It was just it was just really great. And we want to thank the Archery Trade Association for all of their continued support and the many things they do for archery, archery hunting, deer, the archery industry. Uh, check them out, archerytrade.org. So, you know, we talked about the coloring book tour, and I know in, in my world here, before we, we get into some of our, our hot topics for the day, um, you and I had talked earlier in the week, I had mentioned to you that it's, it was potty training week here at the, at the Pinizzato <laughs> house. Uh -huh. And so, you know, I don't mean to brag here, and I'm not one of those parents that brags on their kids, but so in, in three days, my son seems to have mastered potty training, while where there have been other things where it's taken him three years to figure out. So um, I don't know if, if, if we just got lucky or what, but that's, that was, has been a big thing here. Uh, build a sandbox this week when when the weather is improved. So it's a it's a good week for him. You know, it's uh, this is this is a big week. So um, yeah, uh, I, again, I, I don't know. You you read so many different things about potty training, and uh, I think it just comes down to you either you either kind of get lucky and they figure it out quickly, or you could be in for uh, a long haul. So so far, <laughs> and I, I probably just jinxed it, but so far we've been lucky. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to get off of this uh, recording and have a serious mess to go clean up, I'm sure. Well, when we, when we had, whenever we do this show a year or so from now and you're in this boat. It'll be me, yeah. Then we're going we're gonna to revisit it and we'll see how it's going. But, um, you know, and then, and then a couple other things that I just want to mention here. Um, not that anybody really cares probably too much about, about, about our personal lives. But uh, so I'm... I'm into running and this time of year, of course, you can get out and run and it's been raining every other day. And 
So the other day I took a fall, like my first major fall as a runner. Yeah. What'd you do? Well, so I was coming around a, uh, I live in a small town. So I, I, if I run through the town initially, then I get down to a trail that we have nearby and it just kind of connects. But as I was going through the town, I meant to make a turn crossing our main street and I was letting a car go by. So I was kind of focused on that. And when I meant, went to make the turn, of course, it was on, I was on this big steel plate that covered up mm -hmm. some type of infrastructure yeah. under the road. And literally my, my right foot slipped out from under me. So if you can imagine me falling, uh, I, I landed on my elbows and like smacked my hands. And so my elbow still hurts and um, it's oh, still, yeah. there's some visible, visible evidence there, but not like it was. So I assume I at least have a bone bruise or something like that. So, uh, oh man. So that wasn't great. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, um, trying to maintain the fitness regimen during the quarantine has been difficult. Um, for me anyway, my wife's home from work and uh, our son's not at daycare. So there's, you know, all those extra distractions working from home. Uh, but I've done pretty well. And we talked about this a little bit before offline. Um, it was important for me to get like a strict uh, schedule. So I actually signed up for a program um, from a group that does uh, workouts specifically designed towards hunters or people that spend a lot of time in the hills and mountains and it's been going really well. Um, but similar to you, like certain days, man, my knees are aching or my legs are just so sore. Like if I try to sit up out of the chair that I have my son in, in the nursery, it, my bones are just creaking. And then, um, I try to lay him down in the crib and my knees will pop and wake him up. But, uh, for the most part, it's actually been pretty good. Well, based on everything you just said there, I mean, it sounds outstanding. I mean, who wouldn't want to have their joints crack in and be sore all the time? And I mean, geez. People yeah, great, great program. program. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old. And, and I can tell you that I, I noticed different things that happened when I turned 30. And then when I turned 40, there were some new things that started happening. So that's what you have to look forward to. And, uh, you know, my advice to you there, young man, would be that stay on top of it now and not have to try to figure it out later. Yeah. Well, that's the goal. Um, definitely went downhill a little bit after my son was born. So I'm sort of in that rebound phase, trying to get back to, to what I was before and then try to maintain that. You know, and people don't realize how hard it is for men to have <laughs> children. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to let my wife listen to this one. <laughs> yeah I mean, she likes yeah. you she likes you right now but she may change her mind the last thing we should ever do is complain about that but one thing that was very real I know for me too was that yeah you you do get focused on other things and it's easy to lose track of your fitness yeah um not anything near of course what our what our uh, better halves go through but at any rate um yeah so there's that and one, one other thing I want to mention before we get into get into the actual deer news deer discussion part of this which is why people tune in in the first place uh, my, my very dear friend and hunting buddy and fishing buddy uh, Mike Groman is uh, right now at this very minute as I look at my clock he is defending his dissertation uh, getting his I think this is his second PhD now he's a physical therapist um, but a big time uh, big time hunter him and I just we really get into it and have for a long time and he's been working really hard at this 
and at a later stage in his life. And he's a uh, instructor, I guess, professor will be a full professor here before long uh, for physical therapy. He was um, worked as a physical therapist for a long time. So later in his life, he decided to make this big jump. And I know he's been working really hard at it. So Mike, I know you can't hear me right now, but uh, I hope it's going well for you in the room. And I'm looking forward to getting you back for getting back some more of your free time uh, to be out in the woods and on the water. So uh, you know all about school tour and haven't gotten out recently. I don't know if you're planning on a PhD at some point, but. Uh, uh, man, I'm so, so I still have to uh, defend my master's thesis. Um, so it's just a matter of getting it written. Uh, but of course, with the way schools are, universities are right now and schools everywhere, I mean, things are so uncertain. Um, but yeah, so hopefully by the end of the summer, I'll be completely done with that and done with school forever. At least that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, well, been there, done that. And I can tell you that it feels like a big weight off your shoulders when you finally take care of that. So good luck to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so with that, let's go ahead and jump right into our hot topic for the day. And we're not going to talk a lot about legislation, uh, policy type stuff, because frankly, you know, most people in those decision making roles are focused on things like coronavirus and keeping people healthy and fed and yep. trying to get our economy going again. But one of the things related to, to coronavirus uh, that we want to talk about, and this is an interesting article, uh, Torn, that you had forwarded to me from Outdoor Life talking about the potential for coronavirus and the whole the pandemic situation, getting more people into hunting. And you took some time to break this down a little bit and pulled out some cool, uh, cool statistics. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you and let you talk about some interesting things that you learned. Yeah. So Outdoor Life put out this really interesting article posing the question, will coronavirus get more people into hunting? Um, and they sort of went off in a couple of different directions to try to answer that question. Um, but what I found really interesting were the statistics that they included um, to sort of argue that it may or will get more people into hunting. Um, the big one right off the bat was that in uh, March of this year, there were 3.7 million firearm background checks with the FBI. That's the highest ever in one month. Um, a lot of those purchases are probably uh, people who are just purchasing for home use or home defense. Uh, there's no way to break it down and say, you know, this percentage is actually, you know, the purchase of a hunting intended firearm. But it also issues sort of another or raises another uh, interesting question. Um, how many of those background checks for, for first time gun buyers. And that's something that we've seen a lot on the news and sort of within the industry in general is that we're seeing a lot of first time uh, gun buyers purchasing their firearms during the coronavirus. So again, whether that's strictly for home use or home defense or for sporting purposes, we're not sure, but either way, people are buying more guns uh, at least in this time period than they ever have before. So that's really interesting. Yeah, I think so too. You know, and this wasn't in the article, but as a side note, in my town, we still have a, we have a local paper, which I know is rare. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. A lot of those have died over the years, but we still have one that's pretty good. And I, I read it every day. And the, the locally, I noticed that little the petty crimes and so on have gone way down where I thought they may have gone up because you've got all these people walking around with masks on. But, yeah. And now they're staying home. So I guess apparently criminals also like they're practicing social distancing and uh, 
you know, participating in, in quarantines and, uh, so, and, but then it made me, it, it made me more interested in it. And I guess that nationally, nationally crime is also down during this time, which is, which is huh. pretty interesting. So, um, it's a, it's a real psychological, um, what do I want to say? Uh, just sort of, um, it's just a really interesting study in the psychology of people and how things like this impact them, everything from why people decided to hoard toilet paper to why they're not committing crimes at the same rate, less people going to emergency rooms. Um, it's just, a, it's just really an interesting study and, and you're seeing, and I'm aware of a number of different studies on the psychology and the things that are happening as part of all of this. And, and then I think this article from outdoor life really sort of plays into that. So now all of a sudden people are focused on the types of things that, you know, before they were maybe were focused on, well, I got to go to the meat aisle and pick up meat for the family. And now it, they might be thinking, well, one way to ensure that I have meat is to get a hunting license or a fishing license and go out and shoot or catch some of my own. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so the, the article puts out some statistics on that as well. Um, for instance, in the state of Indiana, uh, residents' hunting license sales are up 36.5% from last year at this time. And uh, non-residents, so Indiana hasn't shut down non-resident uh, license sales in their state. Non-resident license sales are up 23% already. Um, so people are buying more license probably because of more free time. Um, in Georgia, hunters are using their wildlife management areas, their public uh, hunting areas, 37% uh, more this year than what they have or what they did last year. And their turkey harvest is up 26%. Um, and also, not only is the, the overall harvest up, but hunters are harvesting more birds each. So I think they may have, they have a multiple bird limit and more hunters are har harvesting two or three birds than what they have in years past. Again, probably uh, related to more free time, but it also might be some people, you know, taking up hunting because they have that free time. So that's really interesting. Um, and then similarly in Tennessee, their turkey harvest is up 50% higher than what it was last year at this time. Um, so pretty dramatic changes, which is actually, I've, I've read some articles um, talking about what this means for sort of turkey, man wild turkey management in the coming years. Um, because it's sort of an unprecedented pressure on the population that, you know, uh, turkey biologists weren't expecting. And so now they're sort of maybe going to have to rethink uh, what turkey management and turkey harvest strategies look like uh, in the coming years. And I wonder, too, if it's a, if it's a big function of people having more time to hunt. Um, you know, I, I was talking about my friend Mike, and he's teaching classes online. And one of the things he said to me is, I'm going to have more flexibility to go out and do some turkey hunting. So I think right. one of the things about turkey hunting is it becomes a gauntlet, right? So if you, <laughs> yeah. if you don't get one early, yeah, and you're trying to get up every day at 4.30 a.m. or maybe even earlier, depending on how far you have to drive, it wears on you. And a lot of people, frankly, especially if they're only trying to, they, they only have limited time, they, they burn out pretty quickly and they're, they're out of the woods within a week or two. Well, if you have a more flexible work schedule or, or more unfortunately, if you happen to be laid off or furloughed, um, 
you know, without work at this time, you do have more time to get out in the woods. And I think that the, the higher percentage of time you're in the woods, the higher percentage chance you're going to shoot something. And I think that might also be what we're seeing here. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And interestingly enough, so we asked uh, NDA members in our hunters voice survey, which comes out every week in our newsletter, uh, we asked whether the COVID pandemic would alter their harvest goals uh, for upcoming seasons with respect to having meat in the freezer. And 70% of uh, the respondents said that it would not alter their harvest goals, um, which I thought was interesting. I was expecting it uh, that more people would say that it would alter their harvest goals. I know for me, uh, I plan on at least getting another deer or two this fall uh, just to have. Um, and I know, Nick, you, I think, have had similar thoughts as well. Yeah, I have, because last year I shot uh, four deer, and three of those deer I gave away. Yeah. And as I'm going through my freezer now, uh, literally just yesterday, I, I needed to get a, a bag of ground meat out to thaw. And I looked in that freezer and I thought, well, I'm already... <laughs> I'm already heading down the mountain here with with uh, this this yeah. one deer that I kept, and I'm thinking maybe I should have kept a second one. Um, so yeah, it absolutely is making you making me at least think twice about it. You said you've already planned you plan to, uh, and, and by the way, I think it's funny you and I sit here as if oh well we'll just get a couple more deer as if we'll just <laughs> yeah like know. we have we can just make that choice right now and it's going to work out that yeah. way. Yeah. So inevitably, and, and uh, that makes me laugh because I I purchased. Normally in, in turkey season, I, I like to go to a, a few different places if I can. So my home state is Pennsylvania, but I usually get an opportunity to go to Kansas where you can shoot two birds and in mm -hmm. Delaware. And then between Delaware, Pennsylvania and Kansas, I, I'm going to get lucky one of those places and I'll have, I'll have turkey. Well, this year, not being able to go anywhere else, I decided to purchase a second uh, gobbler tag in Pennsylvania, which to me, yep. I think ensures that I won't even get the first one. So I'll tell you, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, I've uh, bought that second turkey tag a handful of times and maybe all but once. I don't think I got a single bird when I had two tags in my pocket. So this year I'm going with the one tag strategy. Um, but it's always, you know, your fear is you, you know, you tag out on a bird first morning within the first hour. And then you miss out on a, a season of excitement of hunting turkeys. Um, and so that sort of entices you to get that second turkey tag. Um, but that hasn't, <laughs> hasn't worked that way for me yet. Well, it's exactly what happened to me last year is on the, the second day of the season in Pennsylvania. It's, it's, so it's interesting. You, the opening day is on a Saturday. And then although we, were able to ha we have three days now, we'll be able to hunt on Sundays this year for the first time turkey season isn't one of them so you you go out on opening day on Saturday and then you can't even go the next day right yeah so I went that Monday and shot my bird like pretty much within minutes of it coming off the roost and my season was done in Pennsylvania so I, I understand yeah. fully what you're saying well yeah so my goal this year is to shoot one early and then I'll spend the rest of the season fly fishing which I think is a good segue into our next topic um, just sort of discussing how we're staying busy during this time, trying to, you know, still engage in and participate in our outdoor hunting, fishing, hiking hobbies. Um, 
And then also we'll cover the survey that we sent out asking NDA members about the same thing. But uh, so you and I are both pretty big fly fishermen and I know that you've actually been spending quite a bit of time on the water. Yeah, I have been. And so I've lived in different places across the country. And um, prior to coming back to Pennsylvania, which I did a couple of years ago, I lived in North Dakota and Ohio, which are not fly fishing destinations uh, necessarily. Um, and when you grow up around a lot of world-class streams and rivers, mm-hmm. like we have here, and, you, and you're a fly fisherman, um, and you lose that, it's tough. So since coming back here, I have, I've, especially this year, spent a lot of time behind the vise, getting my gear straightened out, so I've been doing a lot of tying and a fair amount of fishing, and um, had, a, had a pretty good spring so far. If it would just not rain every other day, that would certainly help. Um, and yeah, so that's probably how I've been spending, you know, more of my time uh, during the pandemic here and a, a social, good social distancing activity. And, uh, you know, I know you're, you're hoping to get out uh, yourself here a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I have leaky waders right now. Uh, so I need to get, get the new ones coming in the mail. But once they arrive, uh, I plan on getting out. Have you noticed any more fishing pressure on your local streams? Uh, like people have more free time. I, I know our trout season actually opened up a little early. Uh, they sort of surprised everyone and opened it up a little early and they sort of altered the, the trout stocking schedules. Have you noticed uh, any change in pressure or, or even where and when people are fishing? Uh, yeah, I think people are fishing more. Mm-hmm. Um, at least if my Facebook feed and Instagram feeds are any <laughs> indication. Yeah. Um, the the stream local to me that I that I like to fish the most has a fly fishing only stretch in the headwaters, but the 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 entire length of the the rest of the stream is a is a trout stocked fishery very popular and when I drive along that stretch on my way to the fly fishing only section, there seem to be quite a lot quite a few people out and and at all days of the week. So yeah, I think pressure is is up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Torn, you live within a quick drive of some of the most world-renowned trout fishing streams in the world. Frankly, there have been many books written about the streams that you happen to live within a short drive of. Yep. Um, I, I'm not sure if I was you, if I'd ever like got married, cut my hair, took a shower. <laughs> I'd probably just be like on, on uh, trout streams all the time. I'll tell you what, uh, we have a lot of those people who live around here. Um, you pull, it's funny, you pull into uh, one of the local uh, stream access points here and you'll see license plates from all over the country. I've seen license plates from, you know, Oregon. So about as far away as you can get. Um, that's how renowned and famous the fishing in my area is. Um, which comes at a cost because there, there tends to be a little bit more pressure. Um, but generally the fishery sustains the pressure. Um, and you know, I don't know, I haven't fished it. You know, I've been fly fishing for, uh, probably 15 years, really probably only seriously for about 10. So I don't know what it was like, you know, even prior to that, but, um, fisheries are still good. Uh, you can generally find a spot, so it's still good. But like I said, I need to sort of get my things in order and get my gear in order so I can start you know, fishing a little bit more. Um, turkey hunting always seems to be my primary focus first thing in the spring. And then as I sort of 
get burned out from the turkey hunting is when I sort of shift my focus to, to the fly fishing. Uh, and like we well, said, our, tur- our turkey season opens Saturday. I know I haven't really prepared as well as I should have. And I don't think you have as either based on what we talked about uh, earlier this week. Yeah. And I'm going to touch on that in a second, but yeah, I think none of us, you know, so our deer hunting states and spots and our fishing spots, we don't want those places to show up in books and magazines. Yeah. Because when they show up there, then the people show up. And, um, you know, I remember when I was living in Ohio and it's obviously a, 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 a pretty significant deer hunting destination. Some of the best bucks in the world have been shot in that state. And I can tell you that coming come end of October, early November, most of the license plates you would see were not from Ohio. They were from everywhere else. And in North Dakota, uh, same thing for waterfowl season. I mean, Mm, it is just, if there's no better place in the country to hunt waterfowl, uh, someone might send me a nasty email and argue that with me, but um, but people would come from all over the, not just the, the, the country, but other countries to hunt waterfowl in North Dakota. So you don't want these places showing up in your, uh, in magazines and on TV mm-hmm. shows and so on. Um, but you, you happen to live that there. And yeah, and with regard to turkey, turkey hunting and preparation, um, yeah, season is in two days. And so yesterday morning was the first time I put a call in my mouth since last season. <laughs> Uh, luckily I remember how to use it it still sounded pretty good and then uh, you know just this just might be part of getting old I got drug my butt out of bed and went out to listen and watch for turkeys in the area that I plan to hunt and I'm sitting there in the comfort of my truck with the window down and I was already like cold and shivering um, thinking like what a sissy I was that I can't even sit in the comfort of my vehicle and Uh watch out my windshield and not be (laughs) cold anymore yeah that's funny uh, no, I did the same thing. I pulled my calls out earlier this week. Um, and normally I would be practicing like in my truck, either taking my son to daycare or on my way to school or work. Uh, but since I'm at home, can't do that. So I tried my normal practice in the house and my wife shut that down pretty quickly. Uh, so occasionally I'll go out and stand in the backyard and do some calling. But like you said, it's a little bit like riding a bike, uh, generally a couple minutes if you're using the same calls and you're back into it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I realize this is the coffee and deer show and we're talking a lot about turkeys, but I, I think we know a lot of our deer hunters and deer enthusiasts are also turkey hunters. But yeah, I mean, there's one thing I learned about turkey hunting over the years was that uh, it doesn't really matter how good of a caller you are. It's, it's more or less, it's knowing where to, where the turkeys want to be and being there and being reasonably good with calls. But one, one thing I also learned was that I immediately became a better turkey hunter when I spent the money for really good decoys. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. That spoke nothing to my skill whatsoever. Just, uh, I finally opened up the wallet and bought some good ones and that's made a huge difference for me. But the, the calling, unless you're just absolutely horrible, it's kind of like duck calling, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's important, but you don't necessarily have to be, you don't have to sound yeah. great. Yeah. The big thing is if you're, if you're where they want, if you are where they want to be, then you're in a good spot. Um, occasionally I think you can get a Tom to come in based strictly on calling, but that's certainly, you know, a harder thing to do. Yeah. Um, and, and not as common. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the other thing I've been doing, um, my wife and I are in the process of building a new house. Uh, it's been a little crazy with this whole situation and construction being shut down. Uh, 
um, and selling our new house. And we actually just sold our, our, our we just sold our current house uh, last night. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Stressful process. Um, but we feel blessed that it, you know, it all went through nor- relatively easily and normally, but so I've been, we've been going through stuff and sort of packing and figure out what we need and don't need. So I've been going through some of my hunting gear, um, just getting it organized, uh, selling some of the stuff I don't need, figuring out what maybe I do need. And, um, a lot of our members are sort of doing those same types of things. So again, we, in our most recent, uh, hunter's voice survey, we asked uh, NDA members how they're keeping busy with their outdoor activities and hobbies uh, during the pandemic. Um, interestingly, only 35% of our members uh, said that they have more free time now than what they did before the pandemic and stay at home orders went into place. Um, I think a big part of this based on the responses was that a lot of our respondents are already retired. So their free time is the same as what it was before. And then a lot of the folks that aren't retired are in positions that are considered essential. So they're either working the same amount or even more than what they were uh, prior to the pandemic. Um, So that was interesting, but uh, people are still, you know, trying to engage in their outdoor pursuits and hobbies. Um, 45% uh, said that they're spending their free time reading, watching, or daydreaming about hunting or fishing. Uh, 42% are organizing in it and preparing hunting and fishing gear. And then another 42% are hitting the woods in search of spring turkeys and 30% are wetting a line and going fishing. So people are finding ways to get out there. I know some States have uh, more severe restrictions than others. Uh, Some you can't really travel that far to go hunting. Some you can't even go boating. uh, So it limits that, but you know, people are trying to find a way to get out there and enjoy the spring weather where they have it and just, you know, try to keep things normal by still having their normal hobbies and passions like they normally would. Yeah, it's challenging. And as, as you know, full well, I knew you were involved with the situation with your house and um, I couldn't imagine trying to deal with that. I mean, when you went, this all really hit us, even though we knew the pandemic was out there, it was, it seemed just so foreign and far away. And it was yeah. like a China, like, oh, this is a disease that, that they have in China, right? Or a virus that they have in China. And then all of a sudden when it was here, like it was here and we just shut it down. So one week you're in the mindset of, Hey, we got our house on the market and going to be moving to a new one to boom. Like all of that was put on hold. And I know there are a lot of people across the country, whether it be that specific situation or other things that they had planned uh, from Turkey hunts to even just vacations and visiting family. It has been a shock to everybody's system. So, uh, you know, continue to hang in there. I hope that works out for you. And, Um, I I do want to wrap up quickly with one more deer uh, topic, and that is um, also uh, in our newsletter, we published a really good uh, article that we had our friend and uh, excellent outdoor writer, Pat Durkin, write for us uh, regarding chronic wasting disease. And it's on one of the uh, things we hear commonly from people across the country, and that is, well, why don't we see a bunch of dead deer everywhere if chronic wasting disease is so bad? So um, this is a really good article from a neat perspective. It, it focuses on some specific areas in Wisconsin where Pat is from and knows a lot of people and where they absolutely are seeing more dead deer. So I would encourage you, if you have that question, go ahead and check out that article. You'll see it in our newsletter or if you go to our website, nationaldeeralliance.com, you can read it there. So, And I think this is a good time to remind everybody, if you're listening to the show or watching the show, 
Um, if you're not already a member, go to nationaldealliance.com and sign up. It's free. And you'll get our newsletter so that when we're talking about this, you'll get, uh, you'll get what we're talking about. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, for, I was one of the few people around my age that didn't apparently watch Seinfeld uh, from beginning to end, all the episodes. And so because I was never getting the jokes that people, and there are so many out there, by the way, uh, one-liners from Seinfeld that you hear. I, I got the box set and watched every single episode. Um, so if, if if you're not getting the jokes or the or relating to the stories we're talking about on the Coffee and Beer Show, one way to fix that is to sign up and become a member, and you'll get the newsletter, and you'll be you'll be on the inside, so to speak. So um, yeah, we put we do we do put a lot of effort into the newsletter. We don't try to include things that uh, just to take up space. We really are careful and purposeful about what we include uh, because we want it to be useful and entertaining to the members. So um, we try to make that as, as relevant as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, everybody. Appreciate you being with us today. Uh, having a, a pretty loose discussion as far as coffee and deer standards go. Um, just not a ton going on in the, on the policy world. And I think it's okay as well. So Nope. With that, I hope you all are uh, being uh, are staying safe and dealing with this the pandemic as well as you possibly can at this time. Um, we all this is a, a time we all need to lean uh, on each other, but also on our outdoor endeavors that that we enjoy and, and can give us a bit of a departure from some of the challenges we're all facing uh, with our everyday lives right now. So take care. Look forward to having you join us again in, in our next episode. Take care, everybody. <laughs>